Welcome to the Six Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it, saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez. Welcome back to another week of the Six Figure Roadmap, everyone. I'm here with Nathan Harris. He's a serial entrepreneur, restaurant tour, and co-founder of CEO and CEO of Ease, an AI-assisted talent marketplace that helps companies connect with the best talent that matches their culture. I'm super excited for this interview. It's been a long time coming. We've been connected for quite a while, and uh, I just learned some stuff that I didn't even know about him until we just got to talk for the first time. Um, so I'm excited for the offer, uh, the value he's about to offer you guys and the actionable and tactical insight you're going to walk away with. Nathan, welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you had me and thanks for the awesome intro. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so talk to me and the audience a little bit about, you know, your expertise and kind of what you do for your customers and people that you uh, talk to every day. Yeah, um, my career has changed dramatically. Um, definitely started off as a restaurateur, um, but really my basis is that I'm a culture and people person, right? So I've always analyzed human data, whether it be in regards to marketing or in regards to hiring and creating a, essentially like a customized work experience. And my day-to-day is involved around getting to know employees or groups of employees um, through data and through interaction. So we'll sit and we'll speak with a hiring manager or a bunch of employees within the department. And we'll have them take DISC and cognitive assessments so we can really understand uh, who they are as a person. And after that, we dive into, from that data, what does an ideal work experience look like for them? And uh, that's really what our primary focus is, is. And it's largely on remote work. Um, so that's our goal is, you know, are these people designed for the positions they're in? If they're not, where do we move them? And uh, if they are, how do we elevate that experience? That's amazing. I actually have a lot of questions around that because it sounds like you're helping integrate more of a culture inside of a company that functions around everybody's strengths and mm-hmm. really putting people in the right positions to utilize those strengths in a company, right? Because yeah. oftentimes people are doing some things that either they don't enjoy, they're not good at, and you're wasting a lot of money and resources trying to train that person to do certain things. Yep, exactly. And you're, what you're doing is, is you're forcing them outside of the way that they learn. And a lot of it just comes from listening, right? So if I speak to you, uh, a lot, you said something specifically said, I see, right? And then a lot of people say, I hear or I feel you. That's actually indicative of how they learn. Uh, it's actually could tell you, hey, that person's a visual learner or an auditory learner. Uh, you can just take those word choices. And even from this interview, you can analyze the, the conversations that we have to start figuring out more about a human and how the way that you're leading them may be wrong because the, the hard skills that people have aren't actually the most valuable. It's their soft skills. That's why, you know, a geography major can become the CEO of UPS. I mean, it's not what they know. It's how they learn. Very interesting. I I'm only have literally two months of experience working for somebody else. Mm. And while I was there, um, it was kind of a unique integration with me because I was an entrepreneur at the time and the CEO of this company happened to be a good friend of mine. But the one thing that I think failed the relationship, not between us, but the like manager employee from my experience was that I went in and there was no plan around what I was going to do to, you know, provide the worth of the amount of money that they were paying me. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you run into a lot of people who feel the same way where they feel like, I kind of know what my job is. I I'm, feel like I'm functioning mm-hmm. at the capacity that I'm able to, but I'm not sure yeah. of the amount of growth that I can have or the amount of impact that I'm making. Yeah. The problem that they have is they aren't following uh, typical business principles, but to make it way simpler and give you guys something that you can reference, I would go grab the book called Traction by Gina Wickman. And what that's going to do for you is to help you ha- figure out how to build your phase one team, phase two team, and phase three team. Because what that looks like it happened to you is that somebody had a pain point, but the pain point wasn't deep enough or they were under too much pressure for them to be able to create an effective strategy. They just wanted to throw a, you know, essentially like duct tape on a hole in the boat, right? So fix the problem, but I don't really have a long-term solution for it. So what I think that happens is if you utilize attraction principles, you know that the person's not just the right fit, but they're also in the right seat. A lot of the stuff I just referenced about your overall identity and then having scalable and measurable standards. And what that would have looked like for me is I would have told you, hey, if you're gonna join my team, I wanna know what your first 30, 60, and 90 days would look like. And then also giving you a number to associate the value of those objectives too, because your success may not look like my success. So we have to know that early on. And it also proved to me that you want the job. Um, I'm assuming that because of your relationship, your your screening process was probably less than um, the most effective. It was probably, hey, you're my boy, you're, you're going to work out great. But if it really actually went through the process, it should have put you against other people. So you can fight to show that value versus you trying to figure it out later on and having a negative impact on your relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that you mentioned you wanted to chat about was retain and earn, don't churn and burn. What do you mean by that? And how can people reference that and utilize that in their, in their business? Yeah, it's really like what we just kind of led into, right? When it's a great transition is when you really want to retain somebody, you have to identify what success looks like for them. So back when I was in uh, retention committee supervisor at UPS, there's 400 people in a building. And they said, Nate, how do you get these people to stick around? And I said, I created what we call this launch pad mentality, right? And I always talk to my employees and say, hey, you're working for $7 an hour loading the semi-truck. That is not why you're here right now. What does the future look like for you? And because of that, they would tell me what that next chapter would look like. And I would create that roadmap, right? So now they're not coming to work to achieve my goals or coming to work to achieve their own. So by doing that, you're getting a vested interest and in not only in their being able to deliver day to day, but also in their ability to grow and find new knowledge, right? So that's where the ups- voluntary upskilling comes from is because you're letting them lead by choice. So that's one of the biggest things that can lead to that retention. And then you're getting this constant growth from each individual within the organization, whether it be uh, like lost leaders, which, you know, they're cutting your cost or somebody that's generating revenue. They have a different intrinsic value for their job versus an extrinsic value for their job, which is simply monetary. And you can learn a lot about that through uh, Daniel Pink's book, Drive. Um, When you bring all these things together, you'll figure out why my brain works the way that it does. Yeah, it's super interesting. So you, I understand the roadmap concept, right? Where you're helping them create a vision for themselves and their life. What was the like tactical thing that you did to help them buy in to the roadmap? 
Yeah, so the buy-in is has to be somewhat monetary, right? So let's take one. Everyone always wants to relate this to sales. Uh, let's instead relate it to maybe like HR, right? The most people-related person. So it's, hey, first, we need to get real-time feedback from everybody within that organization. So how do we get that feedback soon enough and make sure that it's valuable enough and not as biased? So you got to start off with asking as many questions as possible. And there's some articles out there by Lamia Louis that talk about like, non-conscious and conscious bias, but get real feedback. And then from collecting that feedback, you then have to sit with your leadership to figure out, are you able to move people? And if not, how can you remove people? So there, then you've got the key people that make up the core of either an organization or a department. And you say, all right, based on these key people being in the right fit in the right seat, what are our goals? Now we match each person with the goal and then the measurable feedback. I think it needs to happen weekly. Um, in the beginning, you need everyone to have weekly feedback uh, on their, those deliverables that are actionable and measurable. Then monthly, quarterly, uh, and so forth. But you never allow somebody to fail three consecutive months. If they fail three consecutive months based upon standards that they set, then that means they weren't the right fit for the job and you never have more than 90 days wasted on any individual. And it's not their choice there was to leave. It was their choice to leave versus to stay. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. I I love that concept. And it really does. It's a good transition into building what you love. Sorry, don't not building what you love, but building what they need. And that sounds to me like what you were just talking about was focusing your culture and the way that your business operates around what your employees need, what your leadership team needs, what your customers need instead Mm -hmm. of what you need and what you love and what your dreams are. Cause correct me if I'm wrong, one of the ways that you achieve what's inside of you is by helping others do the same yeah. for themselves. Yeah, you got to be a catalyst, man. Leaders don't do not do all the work, right? Uh, the people are the ones that are driving force. And that's where there's two different people that are all equally valuable, right? There is the employee mind, and then there is the leader's mind, right? That CEO mind. But sometimes we get lost in the puzzle of like, who's more valuable than what? At a capitalist mentality, I'll be frank, the job that's most valuable is the one that drives the most money into the business, right? Just be simple. Can't be mad if you're at a point where you're on the assembly line and make as much as the CEO. We got to be realistic. But each person's perspective is valuable. And you want to let people achieve what they look at success looks like. So if it's six figures or if it's director level, help them customize the experience and give them an honest answer, right? Honesty is a big part of it too. Because that's a lot of reasons why people don't make those tough decisions is they're afraid of oh, confrontation or this or that. And I'm not saying ruthless, but customize experience, be honest with each other, give valuable, real non-biased feedback. And it's hard, it's easier said than done, but it's, that's kind of really it, man. It's funny. We just keep hearing what we grew up hearing. And my dad always would say, you got two ears and one mouth. You just listen twice as much as you speak, but really it's so funny. The simplest thing about business is communication. If you were to break down your experience into like different pillars. What would you say those pillars are that have led you to opening multiple restaurant locations and creating ease and really being the entrepreneur that you've been over the last? Data first. Um, I don't like, I've I learned not to be biased in my own beliefs. Like when I opened my bar or ease or anything, I didn't go say, Hey, I want this. This is my dream. All those things are manifested from feedbacks that I was hearing. So at first, you know, I was a hip hop dancer, dude, like traveling the freaking country, like competing. 
And I saw this need for a level of entertainment that didn't exist. So we started creating those experiences. Then all of a sudden from elevating those experiences to being in my bars, I went from creating experience to owning the experience because I knew that, hey, I'm the one that took your business from seven grand a week or a day to 15,000. So I want the upside, right? And you can get some of that growth. So eventually I switched roles, right? But it was all data first because I controlled the audience. I think controlled the demand, I controlled the revenue. And then I realized that in everything, it wasn't just nightclubs, bars or anything. It was like, wait, if I'm the data guy, it could be a marketer, it could be looking at behavioral data in HR. I can control the audience because I know them the best. And then I can determine what that audience is worth. So in SEO, it's, hey, I want this keyword because this keyword gets this many clicks. If I can convert it at X amount and sell them X product, I can build a business. So essentially, I can build any business, no matter what it is, if I can control the audience data and then collect feedback on what they respond to. So that's why you get a lot of direct-to-consumer products that skyrocket really, really well. Those are really just guys who know SEO extremely well, use public blog networks to drive traffic and push things to top, and they build business off consumer demand. So that's where a lot of people get lost, like a lot of people in product guys say, oh, X amount of startups fail. Well, if you dive deeper into the personality characteristics of the failures and the winners, it's really, really simple. It's if you put your product in front of the, of the if you get the carriage in front of the horse, it doesn't work that way. So I think that that's the key to, to being a leader, being a great employee, anything is it's not being biased and letting data drive your decisions and you'll be okay. I mean, even your bottom line, like as a business owner, I, mean, I used to be a marketer. I don't get to do any of that anymore. My job now is to look at data, look at math, look at the money, and use that data to better understand people. So what are you doing to break that data down? What is uh, that data? What are you looking at? For an actionable me- methodology, so in terms of uh, HR, you're looking at human characteristics, you're looking at growth potential, longevity, and culture fit. Um, you're also looking at... Um, at levels of skill sets, right? Like, are they senior levels? Are they interacting? Are they clashing at those levels? And when they do, why is that? So somebody could be a maverick personality that match that ends up being on the same team as somebody that's more passive, right? They're going to re- always clash because the way they communicate isn't the same. So that's on that on the HR side. On the marketing side, uh, you're looking at really simple things, right? If you're looking at uh, domain authority, you're looking at competition in those keywords, you're looking at certain things that you want to rank for. And then once you rank for that and you can control that place, you then say, what product can I afford to build, right? And that's why you'll see a lot of people creating like Chrome extensions that are free. They just want to see if they can acquire the user. And then once they've acquired the user, they then will turn that into a paid product. But then, oh, they'll make a bunch of money and everyone goes, oh, I want to make that product too. But that's, they didn't do that. They said, I want to control the audience. Then I'm going to monetize it once I figure it out. I'm not going to throw a bunch of money in to something that I don't understand. I think that that's how you build an MVP to a real product. And that's what I did with ease. Like I built a Facebook community and a chat bot that said, Hey, I can get you gigs on autopilot. Got so many people signed for the chat bot. I launched it on product hunt. It took off in an adventure B doing an ink win. All this stuff started happening. And it must have thought I had a bunch of money in the bank. I mean, we were doing like 20 grand a month, but like, well, how'd you get all this momentum? It was very simple. We created buzz, right? Growth marketing strategy. But then we got the audience. Then I used that money to build a product. Then I, that product, then we got into an accelerator, raised venture capital, and now we are where we are today. But every single thing I do follows the exact same process, 
audience test, then monetize right after you get the audience because it's so much cheaper to test something than to raise money and then you're stuck holding the bag. Oh, that's so amazing. I have some stuff to ask you after this. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, I love it. I, I appreciate the value. Guys, if you're listening to this, all of the stuff that I'm asking really, I mean, it relates to my experiences and the things that I have questions about, but it's stuff that if you know now you're going to bridge the gap between growing your business in five years to growing your business in a year. Like the stuff is helping you collapse that time frame. So yes. I appreciate, I appreciate the knowledge that you're, you're providing everybody. Last question before I ask some personal stuff to get to know you a little bit better with all the craze going on right now. Right. And I, whenever this episode launches, whether it's, you know, in the next month or after all this stuff blows over, what should people be doing in their business and their life to maintain the food on their table, to maintain their lifestyle, to maintain the things that they might lose during this pandemic? I think the biggest thing that everybody in the country needs to realize right now is, is who they are as a person. Take this quarantine time to look in the mirror because what I've realized is there's like certain different types of people and character is everything, right? So some people run to the grocery store and take everything they can, regardless of it, while they walk past a woman and a child, they have one, toilet paper or none they just keep going right i think one gut check your character like and then after that once you figure that out look at your job if your job is in jeopardy right now there needs to be something that you need to reflect upon maybe you shouldn't have sat in that job for so long even though it was being phased out maybe it is a rough realization that the digital era will always win because right now those companies that are virtual are not losing so you need to think about upskilling and, and when you do upskill does that job not just seem convenient and high paying, but does it, is it something you'd be happy with? Because then you now can live that remote first lifestyle, right? Like find those remote jobs that you can work on if it fits your identity, because those are the things you're going to keep food on the table, right? And also treat your employees well, because your turnover rate is going to be through the roof if you don't right now, because they're going to see when things hit the fan that you don't stand by them. And if you're on the other side, look at your employer and see how they treat you. I got friends that just got fired when they work for companies that are doing 50 to 100 million a year. There's no reason for them to do that. And then government stimulus packets come out and they're like, oh, uh, I guess I'll keep you. But that's really what I think it's about, man. It's just like looking at yourself, being real with who you are and knowing if what you're doing today is safe because that's this world isn't gonna change. It's only gonna be more remote. It's gonna be more virtual. It's gonna be more AI driven. So just just keep scaling up. If you stop scaling up, you will be phased out. Mm, very, very good advice. I've, you're my third podcast interview that I've done today. And I've asked that similar question on all of them. And I'm just getting like the feedback I'm getting from, from you guys is so, it's just inspiring me to help more, mm -hmm. inspiring me to deliver the message for people to take that leap. Mm -hmm. I have built a pretty successful online business I can help others do the same yes. or at least guide them in the right direction to make that jump or change their decision because they've been in that job for too long or have, yes. haven't discovered that. So I love that. You seem like a very, you're a soft spoken person. You have brought up a couple books, seem like you educate yourself. You read a lot. What other things have you done in the past? I'm not sure of who you were in the past, or what things you've experienced that may, you know, have led you to wanting to develop yourself more. 
but what are some habits that you mm-hmm. are, are non-negotiable to you that you do every day or you've done consecutively over the last like 10 years that have led you to who you are today? Yeah. Um, honestly, I didn't go to college, but for a semester and a half, didn't really work out for me. Um, largely because uh, my brother and I, we take care of our mother. So my biggest driver in, in, in me, honestly, is the fact that we're the first generation of our family that's not in poverty. So like we can change the tone of our future. So every single morning I wake up, whether it be 6 or 5 a.m. And I take that first amount of time to reflect, not on like, oh, I want money in cars. I'm like, so literally go back to where I've been and remember that like, even if like my days are tough or what I'm about to run into can be really, really difficult. It'll be never as bad as sitting in a house with no lights, right? Cause that's, that was my childhood, you know, and sitting in a line at the food pantry while my mom like was sad because she couldn't take care of her kids. Like I grew up in deep poverty. So like every single day is, starts with gratitude. I'll even jump in my car or ride my boosted board, my headphones on just in the zone for like that first part of my day. And if you know me, I'm super big into fitness. I'm telling you, you have to have to have to treat your body well, because when I didn't treat my body right, and I was caught up in a, in a lifestyle of lethargia, and, and I was like, so bogged down, and I, I was effective, but I wasn't who I am today. It, it had to start with my health, because then it forced me into an eating routine that gave me clarity. It forced me into a discipline that forced me to measure my hours on my day, right? I had to be closer to home, had to be more effective because if I'm out and about, I can't stop at stores constantly or, or running through the drive-thru to get food. I'm just going to get fat. I'm going to be broke. Instead, it was, all right, smarter to build a smart home office, make myself very effective in, in one place. And then from there, set my meals up to be successful. I work all the way till noon. I work out from noon to 1.30 and then I get back into the chair. I literally work probably 15 hours a day and it doesn't even feel like it because my halfway point of my day is gym and then back. But what that does is it allows me to be hyper-focused, hyper-effective, and then in the evenings, I'll read a new book. And a lot of those books come from my mentors. I, I was really, really, really blessed at a young age where I was building my marketing company and I said, all right, college or mentors. So instead, I chose to work for a guy for free to learn. And after that, that same dude, I took his company from 600 grand a year to 1.2 million per location is the guy who invested in the bar that I now own today. And he, from mentoring from him to then saying, hey, I love the bar business four years ago now. And I went silent, still own them. And I said, hey, I want to go into tech. I don't have a degree. I was the smart guy I knew in tech. I said, can I learn from you? Shortly after, I got accepted into Generator Accelerator Program, which is top 10 accelerator program in the world. And then same as him. And then afterwards, I got backed back by the venture capitalist inside of that. Same fun. Chris Abley, who is, if you Google him, you know who that guy is. Super valiant human being. Uh, changed my life. And then I started realizing a pattern. I'm like, man, the people that grow the fastest aren't sitting around waiting four weeks to learn. They want to learn that same thing or four months to learn. They want to learn in four days, four hours. And I can literally go straight to an expert. Even if it costs me money, man, I've paid so many consultants. Hey, I want to accelerate learning. Like I don't need a degree to learn. So that's one thing that I would say is super important is have your mentors, have your diet, have your routines and the weekends, like have fun. Right. But Monday through Friday, that is literally mornings are health. Daytime is work. Evenings are decompression. 
that's how I think it should be. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love the reflection piece. I mean, the, the gratitude, I, you're the first person I've heard that just like goes on a nice walk in the morning, put on, <laughs> throw on your headphones. That's actually, it's interesting too, that you implement working out in, in the afternoon. I think so often we see people projecting, wake up early, work out right away, drink 10 cups of water as soon as you wake up. And then it's like, you're using willpower and then you get burnt out super quick. Instead. That's not for everybody. Yeah. That's it. That's they don't know their diet, right? So what they're doing is they're being a follower instead of customizing it for what they need. I have a super high metabolism. So if I eat right after being fasted, which is sleeping, I'm actually burning off all my gains. So I have to work out in the afternoon because I need at least 200 grams of carbs and protein before I even lift to get to my goal. If I work out in the morning, I would literally turn into a noodle man. But that's because <laughs> that's just not what I want. So I don't tell people what to do or when to do it. I would just say go seek a professional uh, that actually knows what they're doing and don't listen to your favorite social media post. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's based off of what body type you want to, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Thanks for the wisdom. Thank you for the actionable advice. I hope that it served my audience. I, I know that it served my audience. It served me. Um, so for that, I'm super thankful. Where can people go to learn more about East, to learn more about you and just become a part yeah. of your world? I think the best place to go um, to find everything that we do, all my podcast episodes, everything I learned, it's on itsease.com slash academy. I don't charge for anything. I am giving away everything for free, always have. And we have a lot of great contributors um, from large companies, uh, big companies that you may find. And if you actually want to see us in person uh, every year, you can find us at HR Transform in Las Vegas. Uh, we bring together all the world's leading uh, HR innovators and executives and startups and venture capitalists in March, uh, just not this year, thanks to coronavirus. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome, guys. Check him out. Go to, I'm going to link directly to that on the show um, and in the show notes so people will be able to find that super easily. Again, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a long time coming, man. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Till next week. See you later. You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it. 